Coming out of your coma. And guess what? I'll split your fucking head open again. Because I'm fucking stupid. I don't give a fuck about jail. That's my business. That's what I do. And we know what you do, don't we, Charlie? You fuck people out of money and get away with it. You can't fuck. Hey, you fat Irish prick. You put my fucking money to sleep. You go get my money or I'll put your fucking brain to sleep. Now it's time to play. Last Man on Earth. My name is Lex Jurgen. and as always, I'm flanked by Matt Ralston. Matt is currently shopping his biopic around town, but insisting that only a female director can properly helm his story of overcoming obstacles, facing blanket discrimination, and also that time he had his first period in seventh grade woodshop class without warning. Uh, you saw that story about Star Wars, how the lady wanted to, said only a female director should do Star Wars, the next Star Wars movie. Because it's about a female character who overcomes lots of obstacles and faces all the discrimination in the Jedi community, and only a woman could possibly understand that. Oh, well, I think an actual alien needs to direct the next Alien movie. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Uh, How could a human sympathize with uh, an alien? Well, update on that story, by the way. They just announced this morning that J.J. Abrams is going to direct the last Star Wars movie. Brian knows. He's got nerd text alerts. So they went for the safe male, the guy who started did the last reboot of the Star Wars. So, and an interesting choice. But I love how people said like they can't. So women, female directors, are, there's obviously a lot of talented female directors, but there aren't many female directors who have experience doing like sci-fi action films because they don't work in that. Ve- they choose not to work in that venue. Uh, they've never apprenticed in that venue. So they're like Ava DuVernay should do it. It was like Ava DuVernay. She did Selma. <laughs> like, yeah. And she's probably a talented director, but like, you know, this is Star Wars. It's 80% CGI action sequences and 20% hokey, you know, battle scenes with lightsabers and people talking about galactic war and stuff like that. You want J.J. Yeah. You want J.J. If you Abrams. go to Comic-Con or some costume convention, it's what, 80% guys, 70% maybe? Uh, yes. And then women dressed as Harley Quinn or, or Wonder Woman. And some guys dressed that way, too. It just doesn't. You want it's a it's a the Star Wars gig is is a perfunctory gig. I mean, you're not really, you're not you're not allowed to go beyond the borders when you're directing Star Wars. I only I know one girl who's a big Star Wars fan, but that's one. And I, you know, like every other guy I know is like really into Star Wars. It's it's just not really a, a feminine type of thing. Right? It's a, it's a war movie, right? It's a intergalactic. Have you ever seen Star Wars before? Not really. Not oh all the way god. Through. It was okay with Game of Thrones, but you gotta watch. You gotta see Star Wars at some point. You're becoming now the guy who's so anti everything popular that you become just a Unabomber at some point. No, I'm not like doing it to be like a hipster dick. I just, yeah. I don't know. Do you, at least you don't say like, and people go Star Wars. You go, what's that? Like what's that? Right. right. <laughs> oh yeah, no, I'm sorry. I was at the Toronto Film Festival. I must have missed that. Uh, this week's show is sponsored by Cable News Hurricane Irma coverage. 
If you thought Harvey was dramatic, wait until you watch us put every single person who works in our office out in the hurricane force winds with nothing but a microphone and plastic pants. Thanks. 47 dead from Hurricane Irma, half of them cable news employees. <laughs> you watch that. I got addicted to watching, like, who they would put out next, like, in the, in the winds. And they literally, like, you know, they went from, like, their usual three or four people, and they had, like, 30 or 40 people across Florida. So they were bringing in, like, staff member, like, you know, like, the key grip was out there, like, reporting. <laughs> and it got to the point on CNN, by the way, Chris Cuomo on CNN was always dressed amazing in, like, his north, perfect North Face gear. <laughs> Weather gear yeah. with like his sleeves rolled up so he could see his muscles he was working on. Everything <laughs> never, he never, he never got in higher than 18 mile an hour winds. It's the guy that goes skiing and he, you know, he buys the new parka. Yes. Uh, it's up on the slope looking like a fool. They said Cuomo down, like he can really, like, because he's a New York anchor, he really has a beat on like the, the wild weather in Florida. So I would stand out uh, in the wind. I remember one time there was an earthquake in Alaska and it was, uh, you know, the, the light poles were actually kind of touching the ground because they were swaying back and forth. And we were out playing football on the street, and we thought it was a good idea to lay down on the street and get tossed around like one of those blanket tosses. Was, um, this, was this a 54 Anchorage quake? <laughs> <laughs> How far back do you go? No, I, I would be down to go out in that wind just to experience nature because I, I, I don't know. I just have this philosophy. Oh, yeah, because like, well, there's always like those idiots in the backdrop in the back, in the back <laughs> who are like surfing on the water in the street and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, I would do that. <laughs> on the jet ski. On the jet ski. <laughs> I would be out there. I love those guys. Well, the thing, here's the thing people don't know about the reporters. Maybe they, For 23 hours a day, they're in a sheltered area. They have shelter in the car, a shelter behind a barricade. And then when the shot goes on, they stick them out in the, in the flying palm trees and debris. Yeah. To almost get hit and clunked in the head and see if they die. And that, that's supposed to give you some enhanced view of the weather because <laughs> someone else is standing there for 10 seconds like an idiot. Yeah, it's like when they go to, they'll go to Iraq as the government's carpet bombing Iraq. Yes. But they'll, they'll stay in like a Sheridan. Yes. And they'll, they'll deem that it's like a safe zone yeah. that can't be attacked by the other side. Uh, to which my response would be, uh, fuck you. Yes. <laughs> like, we're going to bomb it. And also, if you're in the Sheridan, why do you go to Iraq? Couldn't you do it from the Sheridan like in Jersey? Yeah, so you stand out on the roof for five minutes and then go get some more catering like it's ridiculous it is the embe- the, I, I do i do i will say this i do appreciate during the wartime comes the embedded reporters who die those people actually go out when they're fucking getting hit by the the roadside bombs and stuff and getting shot at yeah that's those are crazy motherfuckers but yeah having like the pretty boy anchor like standing like in naples florida before the wind gets really bad to talk about how everyone should be inside even though he's outside on a balcony <laughs> i honestly i felt like I had no idea what was happening in the hurricane, how good, how strong or how dangerous or how not dangerous it was, because there's so much hype with the graphics and the music and, the, and watching some guy get blown away at 70 miles an hour, like in a, in a slicker and talking about like, you know, and doing a, a vague shot to the background where you still see water going everywhere. <laughs> I, I, I couldn't tell if it was like a catastrophe or it was, be, it was not as bad as it's supposed to be. And I still don't really know. Well, what's the I'm sure someone studied this, but I mean, what's the temperature of wind? That uh, you can actually get blown away, like in a cartoon. The speed, you mean? Yeah. Oh, did I say temperature? Yes. <laughs> okay. The speed of wind. Yeah. Uh, I don't know, but I mean, gusts. I, I've stood in gusts of like sixty before, and it, it blows. It's hard to walk in. You it's definitely also, hard to walk in. It could blow like something heavy. In yeah. Your that, head. You're, yeah. You're not. It's not like Dorothy in Kansas. You're not going to get swept up in the tornado. Yeah. But a fucking piece of roofing is going to hit you in the head at, at eighty miles an hour. Yeah, that's which not is, good. Yeah. No. I mean, if you've ever been hit with a baseball, you know what a piece of roofing would feel like. That could definitely kill you if not give you a massive concussion. Yeah, uh, but they're they're all buried. They're all guarded somehow. But no one no one actually died. And actually, only 
Like I said, I think 47 people are dead from the whole storm, which sounds like a lot. But in Katri- you know how many people died in Katrina? 1,000? Like 2,000. So it was like, you know, people basically, it basically shows you if, if you prepare for it and you go inside and don't r- run around outside, you're going to be mostly fine. You're going to be mostly fine. Yeah. Hurricane's just not, if, you're, if you like take some precautions, Hurricane's just not going to kill you most likely. Uh, if you wish to contact the show, also I would add that now that it's sunny, the, the skies are sunny in Florida, the weather's worse. It's so fucking hot and humid there. <laughs> I would pray for a fucking hurricane. You've been to, you've been to Florida, like South Florida, like in August and September. It's fucking it's fucking nasty. Yeah, like the hurricane was a nice relief. Probably the temperatures probably dropped fifteen degrees. If you wish to contact the show, hit us up on Twitter, Last Man Podcast, or on Facebook, also Last Man Podcast. All right, on to the show. Uh, show number one hundred and one. Matt, let me ask you: uh, Who is, in your mind, I know you think about this, who is the sexiest Supreme Court justice we've ever had? Uh, I don't. I don't know that there are any. Uh, I like Sonia Sotomayor. Uh, her personality seems great, but uh-huh. she's she's not attractive. No. Um, Clarence Thomas was a perv, but that doesn't make him sexy, does it? No, I don't think so. Or the pubic hair on the coke—that's not sexy. Uh, the answer is Ruth Bader Ginsburg, the hottest <laughs> Supreme mm. Court justice. We were, by the way, I was really hoping uh, all, there's like 10 things on my list of things I hope Trump does as president, even though I don't like him. And one was just like nominating like a super hot chick to the Supreme Court, <laughs> just like a blatantly unqualified super hot chick to the Supreme Court and insisting that she go through. I just so we could have like a, like Melania's sister or something like that from Slovakia, like a model, like a B-list model with big tits. Like I don't was, think she'd get confirmed though would she i guess not if it just nominate him at least that'd be fun and then he would have to like talk about what her great legal background she had and everything like that <laughs> so like melania speaks five languages so the answer was ruth bader ginsburg that little lovely sexy uh 80 something jewish jewish lady uh so here's the thing so hollywood had just announced they're doing a biopic uh with uh, felicity jones from rogue star wars rogue one sexy young sexy british woman by the way you think there'll be a whitewashing uh, protest march over that because uh, she's not Jewish. Because she's British and she's playing an American legal le- legal le- legal legend. I don't know. I mean, I am annoyed when British. It seems like every American role goes to a British guy. The, there was a, a little bit of outrage over that with uh, the guy from uh, what is it called? Get get out. Get out. Yes, he was British, and they were saying like it should have been a black American guy because it's always a it's always a British guy. But well, if you ever watch, I mean, if you ever see like guys on TV shows, uh, American TV shows, off screen, all of a sudden they all have British accents. Yeah, they're all it, British. It's uncanny how like eighty percent of the guys, especially and the women too, all have British accents. All they're doing they're doing their American John Wayne thing. What are they doing their cop shows? Yeah, but they're all British, and I don't know why that is. But they're all working union, I assume. Sag, it still costs the same. But for some reason, they just, I don't know. People. I think Americans think that guys with British accents are, are like, more intelligent than they actually yes, are. Yes, I agree with that. And then when you do an American accent, which I don't think is that difficult to do, it's you're, like, an amazing actor now. Yes. It's also, <laughs> it's also bothering me that all nature films have to be narrated by a British voice. And by the way, when you, I agree, that's annoying. And when you suck at it, like Hugh Jackman, who's Australian, 
every movie he's in, he'll start yelling yes. and he'll just be Australian yes. for one scene. They do. They do. Charlie Hunnam does the same thing. He slips in and out of the British thing. Yeah. Like, like he, you don't get to do it if you can't do it. Like in Pacific Ram, he just all of a sudden slips into like a British accent. Well, because when you yell, especially, it's hard to yell in an accent for some reason. Everyone sounds the same when they sing, I've noticed. When they sing, they all sound the same. Mm-hmm. Like if anyone of the Beatles, anyone else, they all basically sound the American English. Yeah. But when they slip in, yeah, when they yell or get angry or really emote heavily, they start falling back on their native, their native uh, dialect. So Ruth Bader Ginsburg is definitely a hottie. Imagine her, but in her thirties, being a legal eagle with her husband. <laughs> well, why does she have to be? What does that have to do with anything? Though? I don't know. <laughs> so but here's a real point: uh, Hollywood. So Hollywood proved to be uh, love them or hate them. They proved to be like more impotent than ever in the 2016 election. I mean, they went hard. They went hard for for Hillary, the Hollywood establishment, mm-hmm. and they hated Trump, and right, maybe rightfully so in a lot of cases. But they really, really, really hated Trump, and they really thought they were going to win and step all over him. And when they lost. They took it so hard, and the only thing they could really do at that point was, well, donate money to lots of things, but to greenlight the shit out of TV shows that they are super progressive, super obviously patently progressive TV shows and movies, mm-hmm. like a Ruth Bader Ginsburg biopic. You hear people like around the water cooler going like, man, when's that Ginsburg bio, Ruth Bader Ginsburg biopic coming out? That's what we <laughs> want to see. I can't think of a uh, more boring subject no. for a movie, and, and of the Supreme Court justices... Even do you remember that guy Breyer in the eighties? Yes, he was a huge perv. He like married a, like a seventeen year old girl or something. He was like the guy that the Bush one nominee was supposed to be conservative, but turned out to be very liberal. I think. Yeah. Right. So like that would be an interesting movie, or just Clarence Thomas molesting uh, his secretary. They did the Clarence Thomas. They I did still the wouldn't story. watch it, but I'm saying the Ginsburg is baffling because it's just frankly incredibly not interesting. I'm going to say anybody outside of the president, in terms of biopic, I don't want to see from Washington. There's just nobody else in Washington I would find interesting, I don't think. Um, and even the president I don't find interesting, but at least you have to do movies about the president. So they're doing her her biopic. I mean, what what is uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg known for? Well, I mean, is there a specific case? Yeah, well, yes. She was a, she was a gender equal rights, uh, like in the 60s and 70s. Mm, okay. She was an equal rights uh, attorney with her husband, Marty. Marty and Ruth were, were big, whatever. I mean, here's the point. And by the way, they don't have, Felicity Jones is not, not nearly Jewish enough to play Ruth Bader Ginsburg. She's probably like a foot taller. Uh, and then they uh, greenlit CBS and the CBS television studios, greenlit two shows uh, about illegal immigrants, uh, about DACA, one about a DACA kid, a dreamer. And the show is actually on the nose called Illegals. Mm-hmm. About a boy, of course, who is a high school honor student, head of his high school, whatever, Great kid, uh, of course, who turns out learns that he's a illegal. His parents are illegal aliens, and he's a DACA kid. Like he takes a vacation to Mexico and is <laughs> immediately detained. No, like his parents let him know that they are not here in the country illegally, and his whole high school world turns upside down. Because hmm. you can only imagine what that would be like. I, I don't well, know. Spring break, you're, you can't go to Cancun. Yes, I mean right there. <laughs> That's tough screwed. too. As far as I can tell, if you were in an LA high school, you would be a, a bigger hero than ever before. So I don't know what the what the consequences are, but this is a dramedy, so it's going to be funny. It doesn't sound like an especially funny subject. Well, it's uh, it's going to be funny, Matt, because it's, <laughs> it's called Illegals. And then they're doing another show about a woman who's an illegal in Florida, of uh, Miami, who is not allowed to practice medicine because her medical license is not respected in the U.S. So she, against the law, starts a clinic, a free clinic in her apartment uh, to help uh, uh, needy people in the area. Well, that sounds... Uh 
somewhat interesting. Although, as, a, as a standalone, I think it could be as interesting as any hospital show on TV. Yeah. But clearly, it's it's portraying another image of illegal immigration as like a very noble, as a no, most noble of most noble of pathways. Well, it is kind of the the guy that works at this liquor store by my house. I think he's uh, Ethiopian. Wait, how do you know the guy at the liquor store near your house? <laughs> <laughs> That's it. I find that interesting. You know, if you need toilet paper or whatever, um, but you can tell he's like really smart and he's very dignified. And, uh, you know, he wears the glasses. He's kind of yeah. paternal. You know, he'll give you little pieces of advice. But he's working at a fucking liquor store, and I feel bad for him. So I, it seems like kind of a subject, you know, an interesting subject. For well, it's like every, you know, they always story about every, like, New York cab driver back home is a, like a, yeah, they're a, doctor. a doctor or something like that. To which I to which I say, that's great, but you left. <laughs> like, it couldn't have been that great. It couldn't have been that great because now you're driving a cab in New York City. So clearly that was a preferred choice for you from whatever war-torn country you're from. Yeah. Also, we'd have way too many doctors, so... Well, I, also, I, how does that work? Because aren't, like, if you go to a university, it doesn't matter if it's overseas. If it's an accredited university, you're still a fucking doctor, aren't well, you? Well, I would think you have to take U.S. medical board licensing. You have to get licensed by the medical boards in your state or whatever. Uh-huh. But yeah, I don't think... Well, here's the thing. If you're here illegally, you probably couldn't do that. Oh. You, but if you're here illegally, yes, as an immigrant, you could just get medical... I mean, I... I I, every doctor I've seen in the last twenty years has been an immigrant, right? So I, don't, I assume they're all li- they're all licensed. But yes, this woman is noble because she's an illegal immigrant. Which again, I personally have nothing, very little against let's say illegal immigration, illegal immigrants. Because I know if I lived in Mexico, the first place I would head would be the border <laughs> to get in the U.S. as soon as I could walk. Yeah. So I feel I I definitely feel for them. But to insist that they are all noble, that by inherently by being here illegally makes you noble, seems to be a bit of a bit, bit of a stretch. So yeah, but also I don't think they should be demonized because I'd say they're probably one of the least dangerous groups. Although there are like MS thirteen dudes out there. And yeah, no, the show won't the show won't cover that aspect. <laughs> <laughs> it's just gonna it's just gonna be the honor students and the nurses working as doctors and the things like that. If you look at you know if you look at it that way, all all the illegal immigrants. Is there gonna be the brother that's like a gangbanger? No, no well they'll probably be, but he's gonna talk him out of it and he's gonna get him back into school. You can count on that. I think I feel bad because you know the kid, the DACA kid, is going to be like helping the gay kid come out in high school, helping the dyslexic kid like learn how to read without the other fo- rest of the football team members making fun of him, showing him how to stop at the yellow light, <laughs> yeah. make sure you wait for the crosswalk symbol. <laughs> yeah. He's going to be the exce- like the the, the the guy so nice in high school that this guy didn't really exist. That's how great he's going to be. And then they're going to call it illegal and make you force you to reckon with the fact that you want to ex- deport these people, even though they're the best of America. They're the best of America. It would suck uh, being illegal. I just thought of this now, but I I break the law all the time, like in traffic. Yes, you know, minor things. Yes, that I don't even think about. Not including the sex crimes. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean I'll speed. You know. Well, um, you don't get de- you won't get deported for speeding if you're here illegally. Certainly, but not just in the anxiety of like getting pulled over and having to deal with it would probably suck. Yes. Well, there is all the drunk dr- there is all the dr- illegal drunk driving that goes on, which is pretty 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 rampant. So, but I guess when you're drunk, you make bad decisions. It does. It does. It definitely. You're definitely a second class citizen. There's no doubt about it. Although in California, you're pretty close to first class. In fact, you're an exalted, exalted class. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it would, it would, there'd be inherently, be, apparently, you'd have to live in the shadows to some extent. But that is sort of the point of being illegal. I mean, U.S. isn't like. Have you ever tried to get into like another country before without a visa? Yeah, it's really hard. And I, I even when I was living in Europe for a while, and even with a visa, you couldn't work, you couldn't do lots of shit. So it was pretty, you know, it was, you, people lack like the U.S. is some evil. 
empire against outsiders. But it's really just the same as every other country in the world. Oh, I got detained at LAX. Unfortunately, what happened is I had a passport uh, that I thought I lost. So I reported it lost. Then I found it. <laughs> so about the fourth time I went through Mexico, they put me in this room at LAX. And it's really weird because you... This is Homeland Security. Yeah. You face forward and there's a guy sitting at a desk behind you. So finally I'm like what the fuck are we doing here? Like, can I just talk to you at your stupid desk? And the guy was like, yeah. And, uh, and then he said I had an attitude, so I had to face the other way again. Uh, it was really fucking lame on their part. Were you going to be that first uh, blonde hair, blue-eyed uh, terrorist they've always been worried about for so many years? I brought that up. <laughs> yes, I'm sure you did. <laughs> I'm sure you were not being compliant with them. You're like, it's the one case where like, you were like, kind of like the black guy could stop, a uh, police stop. And, you know, the Chris Rock acting really polite and things not to say. Yeah. And you had the whole white privilege thing where you could just thought you could say anything you wanted. Yes, I'm sure no one else acted the way I was acting. I, w- um, I went to Europe. I went to one of the times I went to Europe. I went to uh, two friends, one white, one black. And myself and the other white guy got through in 11 seconds. And the black guy got detained for a full body cavity search. <laughs> <laughs> this is in northern Europe. So people think like this is just a U.S. thing. We are actually as racist as we are. One of the lesser racist Western countries. Yeah, um, it's really even worse in the smaller countries where because in those countries, people don't understand those countries are like like Scandinavia. They're like ninety nine percent Caucasian. There are no, there is no eighteen percent Hispanic. There is no twelve percent Asian. There is no thirteen percent Black population. Right. There's like ninety eight percent Lutheran, white Lutheran Protestants. And if you're of a different descent, you are immediately a target for everything. Yeah. So, when people always say how progressive like uh, Sweden and Norway and these places are, it's like they they are. But the older white people are incredibly racist, especially towards their uh, you know native populations. They're not. They're not. I think what it is they're not overt. Like they're very progressive on the outside because they can be. They're from a. They're like it's like a rich white family who like <laughs> donates a lot to the NAACP or United Negro College Fund. They do all the right things. They say all the right things. They get prizes and accolades to all the right causes. Yeah. But at the end of the day, they're not really comfortable with you living next door to them. Well, they were Nazis not too long ago. Yes, right? <laughs> there was. There was that. How there, many? Are, there was that. Too. How old are Nazis? Now, like if you were a twenty year old who was cool with the Nazis, oh, they're all dead. They're all basically dead. There's now. not really any left so. now. But they believe me, they would let the Germans march through again if they had a choice. <laughs> Matt, you know a lot about fashion. It's very clear, become clear to me after two and a half years. You are the fashion magnet. Probably back in Alaska, you were considered fashionable. Did you ever go through a phase when you thought you were fashionable? Uh, I kind of yeah, I had an awkward phase where. Um, I don't understand really what matching is, although I've learned. So I used to think, you know, I used to go with the monochromatic look. Like, I had red shoes and, like, a red shirt <laughs> and red pants. That was your, that was your fashion stage? And, uh, Jesus, I must have looked like a fucking moron. Yeah. Um, like a giant fucking retarded tomato. <laughs> yeah, but no, yeah, I, I'm not into it. There always, I, there was I, always I think a, it's one of the lamest interests a person could have. I think so, too. There's always, from a lot of guys, there was that one time, in, like, month-long period in high school when they thought if they dress nice, so they get laid. Yeah, it doesn't and, work. And, and, and no, it doesn't work at all. And they, always, and they were never good at it. Maybe they had a sister who could help them out, like, buy some dress shirts or some shit like that. And then all the guys made fun of them, and they gave up after, like, a month. The guys who truly were dressed nice in high school, as far as I could tell, were all gay. Yeah, it it's it does help to have kind of a trademark though. Like you a all, style? you have no like well sort of a style but like you always wear uh 
like a baseball cap or like yeah. you always wear the uh, parachute pants. You yeah. know, I would say between those two, I'd go with baseball cap. I don't even know what parachute pants are. That's the old MC Hammer pants. <laughs> you're, not, you're not that old. Uh, so it was fashion week this week in New York. That's where Brian was gone this week. He likes to attend all the, all the fashion shows. He's like, listening. That's how I know. Uh, so uh, there seems to be, fashion week used to be like a once a year thing. Now it's like 20 times a year. It's when all the designers get together and all the celebrities and the Kardashians show up and all the models and they have big parties in New York. Million dollar, multi-million dollar parties and bring out the uh, young underage girls with flat chests to model shit. I know that gets pretty hot. Uh, but here's the thing. So Fashion Week recently, last like five or ten years, has tried to do a lot of this uh, diversity signal, progressiveness signaling, all this stuff by showing how you know they're for, now they're having fat girls walk down the runway and now they're introducing, of all things, color girls of color walking down the runway, which they never had before. It's, they, it's never, a, they never had... Yeah, there was always one. There was always one. There was like mm-hmm. a mon. There was always like one, but it was like one percent of the population. It was always skinny Nordic, skinny Nordic looking women, boyish looking skinny Nordic women. Yeah. Uh, so now they're trying to signal the fact that they're inclusive and there's diversity and all this other shit like that. They had there was a show where they had oh uh, Huma Abedin sitting next to Gloria Steinem in the front row, applauding a, a, a brave designer for bringing out women who were not. Flat in the stomach. Yeah, keep, keep doubling down on the uh, elitism. That's why you lost the fucking election. Yeah, right. Huma. Wearing, wearing like I love. They're all wearing I love diverse. I heart How do diverse. How they not get this? By the way, I don't know. And then they would have like one. And here's the thing. So they, the guy like had like these girls come out, beautiful girls, of course, the models in very tight corsets, pushing up their breasts. And then he had to explain how the corset was actually ironic. That it was a reimagining of how women used to have to dress, but now it was an empowerment for women to have their to have their stomach sucked in and breasts pushed up to look. <laughs> so I'm like, really, really? This is the same crowd that says like porn and prostitution is very feminist and empowering. Yeah, it, it's like that's what they're spinning as their as their progressiveness. Is that like women are now owning the fact that their tits are hang- that their tits are hanging out? They're sucking in their guts. That's retarded. Yes. I, I can't believe that they're saying that with a straight face. And then they had Leslie, jo- Leslie Jones, who I love. I love Leslie Jones. Uh, came out at, uh, she reminds me of a lot of my guy friends. Uh, <laughs> came out at one of the shows and they actually sent down some heavy, heavy, heavier weight models down the thing. So she was hooting and hollering for all the heavy girls, saying that's how real girls are and all this kind of shit. None of which, by the way, ever goes to sale, never goes to the commercial aspect of this business. This is entirely, just like we talked about the... You know, the for show kind of virtue signaling, like the Bader Ginsburg movie. This is entirely for show because they're making 99.9% of their money off the high fashion shit where they're selling jeans for 800 bucks to chicks who are like so desperate to fit in. They're going to spend all their parents' money or their own money to buy a pair of $800 jeans, pre-ripped jeans. Yeah, they're selling jeans to insecure, wealthy people, or at least people that are financially irresponsible, made by... Uh, children in China or Vietnam or whatever. Yeah, girl, and girl children, by the way. <laughs> Female children, not like male children. So the, femi- the feminist credentials get a little zapped there by uh, locking women up in these horrible sweatshops where they can't have to ask permission to pee every six hours. Yeah, I, I don't know why they can't just say, look, we want to, you know, have these shiny objects. We, you know, we want to feel superior to most people because we can afford these things and we're going to celebrate ourselves because we have pretty good lives and we're going to have these parties and drink champagne and and fuck you that's I, a great new motto by the way for fashion that. week <laughs> I, would, I would totally respect that as far as i'm concerned fashion is just the same as like people who talk about yachts or buying jewelry or any other like rich person hobby that is kind of silly 
And, in, you know, in America, we respect capitalism. You can be as blatantly consumerist as you want. It's certainly not looked down upon. It's half, half the fucking popular reality shows are girls buying expensive shit yeah. and talking about that kind of shit. It's fine. But when you lie and try to pretend that it's a progressive, is this a part of the progressive movement? High fashion? <laughs> or that you're really making money off fat models? Or that you're really trying to be inclusive or diverse in an industry where they're making money off having attractive, skinny, white women selling shit? Well, what percentage of women who are into this kind of thing, like, uh, you know, there's a reason they put the logos on all the stuff, uh, Chanel or whatever it might be. I mean, what percentage of them really like these $10,000 boots versus signifying I'm better than you? Uh, they always talk about how amazing they are. I don't know. I mean, women, as far as I'm concerned, women will always be held back as long as they have. Like, you're going to talk about some gender equality issues later. But women, this is like the idea that women, it's, not, it's one thing that people, like men like all sorts of, let's face it, men like all sorts of stupid shit they waste their money on. Fucking fantasy football, buying fucking motorcycles, <laughs> going to, paying 300 bucks to watch a sporting event, men waste money on stupid shit too all the time. But uh, isn't that stuff more fun uh, than wearing an expensive thing? I would, I, would not, I would not gender value judge on that one. I'm going to say that men are just as stupid as women are when it comes to their, their little hobbies and spending money on their hobbies. If you have, I, I don't know. Have you, seen the men, have you ever seen the men with the model airplanes at the park? Yeah, well, those guys. <laughs> but if you have an extra five grand and you don't spend it on a jet ski and you spend it on a, a coat, I just think you're a boring person. Yeah, I will grant that it's to me it's somewhat similar in that they're get, you're getting the same human level satisfaction out of both. Right. It's it's sort of like a it's a me it's a it's a spoil me kind of thing. It's like I'm getting what I want and I shouldn't have it kind of thing. It's that I'm spoiling I'm spoiling myself with this purse. Right. I don't understand that. But again, I don't guys will go on fucking whatever their little vacations to some expensive place and go to Vegas and spend four grand and go. This is me time. At the strip club. At the strip club so. <laughs> but that's fun. If you're an interesting person, you spend your money on experiences. You don't spend your money on things. Yeah, although it's possible these people are wealthy enough they're doing both. I don't, I don't really understand. But the whole idea that you're going to then couch that as like awesome female, be, awesome female progressive like behavior. It's not, I think they have the advantage that it's all gay, des- gay male designers and women in the industry. So therefore, just superficially, it looks like they're progressive. They're all wearing like... Anti-Trump or inclusivity or I loved I heart. They're all wearing I heart diversity. Literally wearing I heart diversity T-shirts at the fashion show. <laughs> the, the T-shirts, by the way, go on sale for 120 bucks. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, but it, you know, the, the idea that that's going to be your source of your progressive, socially progressive behavior is a, a, a rooftop party at the W in, in New York City, where it costs eight thousand dollars to get in, is going to be your. Your ode to the common man, and the I think they might actually kind of believe this shit, though. Like, um, you know, you'll see these kind of boutique things where it's like, you know, we source uh, this jewelry from the forest in Vietnam, where we are also planting new trees or whatever. I saw one of them, and the company was, you know, doing this virtue signaling about how progressive they were, and their their selling point was that they employ women to make the stuff. Right. For eighty cents, eighty cents every in cent. Africa. Yeah. It's like okay, so paying your employees is not fucking progressive, by the way. <laughs> no. And yes, it's cheap labor. Um, I'm, but- con- I'm convinced, by the way, that every time someone ever bought a tree in the Amazon to plant in the Amazon, it was never planted. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sure it's not. And by the way, if you're actually progressive, so Stella Beer is like, uh, you know, we're going to give uh, ten cents 
uh, for every million beers we sell, uh, oh, sell our of water yeah. to the fucking Indian women. How about you just give them that money? <laughs> yes, and not buy the the jacket or the beer or whatever. But that's not going to happen. No, the Fashion Week is when I think everyone's just admit it's a gaudy, ostentatious, gross consumerism type event which I think I could totally respect and just go with it. And I understand the need to cover... The need to co- that's what's happening this day and age. Like, if I think about what's changed in the last 10 years, it's not human behavior. That doesn't change. It's not wealthy people wanting to buy nice shit. That doesn't change at all. And God bless them. What changed is this idea that you have to apologize for everything now or co- have a cover story for what you're doing. That's what you see. Like, you know, that's why you see all the rich actresses in Hollywood talking about feminism or exploitation or all this other shit because they live in mansions. They feel guilty that they're not on the streets suffering like everybody else and now they have to come up with some cover story they have to go scarlett johansson has to go to a mall and talk about her abortions to cover for the fact that she's just like you and i people didn't used to do that like the rich used to donate money but they never used to feel like they had to create an entire like principled cover story about a progressive movement they're part of to cover for the fact that they feel guilty about their shit right and it's so transparent it would not be very much different than you and i going to vegas and screwing prostitutes and then bragging about how we like paid them well yes like it's it's insane we should do that by the way <laughs> <laughs> brian you can come too yeah as long as there's, prote- as long as there's protection involved i'm down for i'm down for that <laughs> uh yeah it's 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 idiotic i again i this whole my whole point is always is honesty if you want to be gross about something just be honest about how gross you are yeah. And, and just say it. I mean, I hate, I hate people that are hypocrites that are covered. Fashion Week is one giant hypocrisy. Also, clothing that I've never seen anyone ever wear in the street ever. <laughs> like, you never ever see these things. They're like, they come out walking out. The girls walk out and things that, like, where their breasts are hanging out. You can see their nipples. Or, like, you know, like, it's cut down to their loins, whatever. And everyone applauds. I'm like, where do you see that? Where, where are people dressing like that? Other than the Oscar, like, you know, a, a record party event or something like that. Yeah. And, and by the way, doesn't take uh, very much talent. You're celebrating something that's that's um, just not. It, it, there's not a lot to it. You know what I mean? Like now, uh, it's a di- how many different kind of skirts can you make? It's like I'm not impressed. You know I, what I mean? I love when Emma Watson did that thing last year where she did the the dress that was going to be. It can be turned into two or three different looks. So she's going to wear it like two or three times as opposed to just once, and that was like her big movement for the earth. Like, wearing a dress three times. Yeah, you would wear an outfit three times without just wearing it once and throwing, giving it away. That was a big achievement. I think at the time I mentioned I've worn the same jeans for like six years in a row now. <laughs> so I got the warrior shorts on now for 10 years, so I think I'm doing better than Emma Watson. Matt, let me ask you. We got an email from Sean. Another, these are all, these, uh, by the way, all today's topics are, are based on things you know very well. This is about porn. Uh, so t- Ted Cruz... Senator Ted Cruz got busted, uh, sort of busted on Twitter, where his Twitter, his official Twitter account liked a porn video. Did you see the porn vi- the porn shot he liked? Yeah, it was it was from an account like called Porn or something, wasn't it? Yeah, you assume it has. You assume there's one of two things: either he was hacked because Ted Cruz is, is not dumb enough to actually go on a Twitter account and start liking porn accounts. Yeah, so either he was hacked. Why he, would you? He doesn't like regardless of who you are, really. Why, no, why I'm not porn. You? I wouldn't do that shit. No, <laughs> no it doesn't make any sense. Uh, but of course, it was snapped and it talked about this. And then his college roommate, who always his roommate who hates him from college, who every time somebody happens, Ted Cruz comes on and is talking about how Ted Cruz used to masturbate like crazy in the bunk beds they had to share together in college. 
Oh, uh, and how much he loved his porn. How much he loved his porn and and and, and masturbating. Uh, so well, this was a long time ago. So he was watching like. VHS porn? Well, probably magazines. I would guess magazines. Oh, right. right. I remember the college days. I think it was mostly magazines back then. I can't remember actually buying a penthouse magazine at some point, which seems so anachronistic now. Actually going to the store, like your your buddy, your Ethiopian buddy at the liquor store, and having to ask him for the (laughs) shit behind the counter, (laughs) like the the magazines behind the counter. I used to buy them all the time. In the the brown paper bag? Yeah, it would kind (laughs) of make up excuses about buying it for someone else or something. Yeah. I'm here to buy penthouse for somebody else. One time I was so excited. I got all these hustlers. I was like 17 or something. And I uh, w- like couldn't wait to get home and like beat off repeatedly. So I was like reading it while I was driving and like almost got hit by an 18-wheeler. That'd be a, a real embarrassing way to go out. Uh, you know, my, uh, my, uh, one of my cousins is a mortician. <laughs> and uh, he, he's, uh, you know, very, he's perfect for the mortuary business. Very... Uh, very concerned and sympathetic and very nice guy. But a lot of times what he has to do when he gets called to scenes where there's someone who's de- deceased mm. is clean up all the sex toys and shit like that so the family doesn't have to, so the family doesn't have to find That's it. That's nice of him. I, yeah. would, I would hope someone would do that for me. <laughs> yes. So if he came to your scene, he would get rid of all the hostages and replace it with like Boys Life and Newsweek and like <laughs> popular mechanic magazines. He was leafing through his science magazine, science journals when he was struck by a car. But isn't that like tampering with the... Yes, it's totally tampering. It's totally illegal. But, but still it, nice. I think it's like mort- mortician code yeah. is like these are your paid clients, obviously, even though they're dead. So you know, sort of like a, 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 a someone who a service provider covering for your ass a little bit because you don't want to find grandpa with the fucking choker on the leather stud leather stud thing and the and the cock ring. I think actually at one point he had to remove a cock ring from somebody. So <laughs> that's just not how you want to remember old old uh, grandpa so and so. It's pretty frightening because Ted Cruz, his face. Like, it kind of looks like he's beating off, like, all the time. Like, he's got this... Well, he's got the penis nose. He's got the weird, sweaty brow. He's a, a greasy... I mean, the thought of him... Mass- like, this guy could just be lying to fuck with Ted Cruz, right? But uh, Well, I, it, well, yeah, or he's just like... I mean, I, I assume every college kid was masturbating at some point, so it's not like it's a shocking story. But you can't masturbate in the room when someone else is there. Uh, we kind of talked about this before the show. The college roommate situation was pretty <laughs> dicey, man. There was sex. There was sex acts of some kind going on in various bedrooms, and we had to share bunk beds at times. It was, you know, guys have to, you know, get their get their shit on. And uh, and you're, if you're in a single room, a tiny room, sharing with another guy in a bunk bed or adjoining beds or shit, you're going to hear and see things you never wanted to hear or see before. It's a really weird thing that people take for granted that when you leave your home when you're 18. You go share a tiny room with someone you've never met. It's it's kind of an odd custom. It is, but then you instantly become best friends, and the next thing you know, you're having sex in the bed with some girl <laughs> right next to the other guy, <laughs> and hoping he's not looking at your face. I could never bring myself to do that, but yeah, most of the roommates I had were uh, totally fine. I mean, plus when you're drunk, you kind of throw. They your- were ma- trust me, they were masturbating. If they if they weren't doing there, they were doing somewhere in the shower or somewhere, which is probably even worse. You didn't know what the hell was going on. So always wear sandals. That's all. That's all I remember. Always, yeah, young guys are gross, dude. I mean, the, the toilets were gross. The bathrooms were gross. The bedrooms were gross. Would you rather have a room half as big to yourself? Like, I just I don't yes. really understand the science behind. It. I would always, I would rather live in a box by myself <laughs> than share a room with another nineteen year old guy ever again. Right. So, or, or by the way, a girl. I wouldn't want to share a room with a girl either. That'd be just as, just as bad. Uh, but so Ted Cruz likes porn. So Sean wants to know Ted Cruz likes porn. Uh, who doesn't like porn? That's the question. Well, t- I mean, 
Ted Cruz wouldn't have liked a porn thing. No, he clearly. Wa- I think he. I think anyone who says I don't watch porn is lying. I just assume so. He probably did. He could have done it accidentally. Could have just tapped the screen or something on his phone or something. You think so? But he had to be looking at the account. And I don't think. I don't think most. No. People yeah. No. I'm saying he was watching it and then he accidentally hit a button or something. Or more likely someone who works for him because I don't think the guys actually control their Twitter accounts. He's got like I don't think a senator is actually on. Well, tr- Trump's doing it, I guess. But I don't think most celebrities or politicians are actually like doing their own tweets. They have some assistant yeah. doing it for them because they first of all they know they're old and don't know what the fuck's going on. And they yeah. don't want to actually. They don't want to accidentally like a porn. A porn and Ted Cruz wouldn't even. He wouldn't even go there. I don't think. I mean, obviously, you can find porn without going on Twitter. Although he might be too old to know where to get the right kind of porn. Like one time, this chick was sending me porn, like trying to be cool, you know. But like the porn was awful. Cause she yeah, women don't understand porn. Didn't know where to get it. No, women don't understand porn. They're going to like some place that was popular ten years ago. <laughs> they're, saying, they're like googling porn. <laughs> yes, <laughs> they get in the Russian side, like the Russian sites with like the old ladies, like the old the old moms having sex with like the the neighbor boy or something like that. Some old lady in a house coat. Yeah, <laughs> it's never. They don't really quite understand you porn or, or red tube or stuff like that. It's all right there. Uh, I, as far as I'm concerned, this is the most human thing I've ever heard about Tem- Ted Cruz that he might like porn. As far as these, all these, I assume all really, I just assume all religious people are up to sexual, crazy, sexual kinky shit because there's some reason they're co- they're covering for something when they're that abnormally upright. Well, that's because like, if it was really Ted Cruz, I would have thought, you know, it probably would be like this would be a much better story if it was gay porn. Yes, because uh, you know any, anyone who's ultra Christian like that, I'm a little bit, little bit suspect of. Well, the gay thing's kind of cliche. The gay, the guy, the uptight religious guy being gay is kind of cliche. But the fact that he just likes to watch people... But it's these... pretty frequently true. Uh, well, it's... it's uh, yes. Well, I mean, you see, Joel Austin is the gayest man I've ever he seen. He really is super gay. <laughs> That's why my theory was he wouldn't open his church during the flood, the Hurricane Harvey, because he had a big gay orgy going on. He didn't want to know about... Like, yeah, there was like that weekend, he's like, oh, this is a dead weekend, nothing's going on, we're closing the doors, we're going to have the big gay orgy, and a big gay born-again orgy. Yeah. And then, like, the hurricane hit, and they're like, why don't you open your church door? It's like, just a minute, just, just a minute, we'll, we'll get there. I bet it's a big day for a, a pastor guy when you take the step of actually buying the scuba outfit for like nefarious sexual purposes. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like you're really like man I'm I'm really crossing a bridge here. The neoprene the neoprene the scuba suit <laughs> I think which that, I don't even get the I don't even understand what the application is. I think that uh I don't think they're all gay but I think they're all cheating on their wives and I think they're all sleeping with prostitutes and they're all watching in the very least addicted to porn watching porn and masturbating whatever else that God says they're not supposed to be doing. So as far as I'm concerned this is the most I've seen I've only known about Ted Cruz for about 3 years now since he became sort of infamous in the Senate as being the guy that nobody likes. <laughs> like, even the other born-again, like, comb-over guys don't like him, which is really sad. And his college roommate does put it into perspective what a, what a horrible person he was. Just, like, nothing... There's nothing, like, big horrible about him. Just every little trait about him is horrible. He's the one that read the cat in the hat to stall time, and, like, the look on his face was that he was the most clever man... Yes, yes. ...in the universe. Yes, it's more of, like, a million annoying little habits he has. As opposed to being just because when he speaks, he actually speaks like a compassionate guy. He speaks like a he tries to put humor in there, stuff like that. You can tell how hard he's trying to be normal. Yeah, and you can tell that he's just not. He's just an awkward, uncomfortable, yeah. socially uncomfortable. He's guy. He's probably one of those guys who's like 
yeah, covertly irritating. Like, I had a roommate like that. Like, if I explained why I hated him so much, yes. it would just sound like I was crazy. Yes. <laughs> and also the fact that he seems to embrace his, his Hispanic heritage only at certain times, <laughs> like when it's convenient. He seems like the most whitest guy ever. Yeah. Even though he's, even though he's, you know, he's from a Cuban, from Cuban heritage. He's Cuban. He was born in Canada, so I don't quite understand <laughs> how he's allowed to. I mean, his name is he uses Run the for president. He uses the cruise. Let's say he uses the cruise thing. It reminds me of the kid in high school. His name, my guy, knew was blonde hair, blue eyes, named Alvarez in high school, who used his, his uh, Mexican heritage from like eight generations ago as needed. Yeah, <laughs> it's like like when applying to college. All of a sudden, he put he put the fucking sombrero on and started doing the Mexican dances. This kid was the most fairest complected like blonde hair kid you ever met in your life. But his last name was Alvarez, and all of a sudden, he put the fucking whatever he was, he was doing with showing pictures of his like. Abuela, like in Guatemala or some shit like yeah, that. Yeah, can you be Mexican if just like your wealthy parents live there for like tax shelter purposes? Like, can you just claim you're a legit Mexican? If your name's Alvarez, you can. Ralston ain't going to get you there, buddy. Doesn't uh, Mayor Garcetti claim he's Mexican? Uh, Garcetti, yeah, Garcetti doesn't. And what's his name? Uh, the previous mayor, uh, Villa, Villa, in the Villaraigosa. Villaraigosa. His original name was, he was like Geraldo, like Geraldo Rivera, the reporter originally went as. Gerald Rivers when he came up hmm. and then he decided there was more opportunity for Hispanic he was of a Puerto Rican descent but he decided to go back to like his original Hispanic name which was Geraldo Rivera and he played it up with this little Spanish accent and shit like that hmm. yeah Tony Villar he took his wife's name which was a Hispanic name when they got married and combined the two names together to sound super Hispanic and then he became Antonio because he knew in politics in California that was going to get him ahead so yes you could become Matt, you're never gonna have a chance at this. Brian, you're kind of darker complected. You might, you might get away with, you might get away, you might get away with something. But yes, it's very convenient at times to be Latino in California. Matt, let me ask you a new segment in the uh, Matt Hate segment. We skipped it last week for our anniversary, and I got so many letters from people asking me where the Matt Hate segment was. <laughs> it was really, it was a big thing in the New Yorker about it. I think the Atlantic was wrote about where it went. Uh, so this week, Matt Hayes' return segment, you're going to talk about uh, people who whine about the gender pay gap while judging it entirely in isolation of all other gender disparities. Yeah. Um, I noticed that people are advocating for equal pay. and, uh, and I kinda, have, you, have you seen that around town? Yeah. <laughs> And and no one ever... And the gender pay gap is mostly a myth. Uh, there could be some small truth to it, but... You know, it's any way you measure it, it's it's pretty much just. I see it as like people saying electricians make more than plumbers, and like you go, okay, but I don't understand. Maybe that's the case, but there's probably a reason behind it. Yeah, well, men work more hours. Uh, you know, they change jobs less often. They're ninety three percent of workplace fatalities, so obviously the more dangerous jobs usually are incentivized with higher pay. Um, but the prisons. Uh, population is ninety percent male, so that's U.S. prison population. Yeah, that's nine. So if the gender pay gap supposedly, I don't know what they're claiming now is is what eighty four cents. They on close, the dollar? It used to be seventy eight cents a dollar. They they gapped it to about they updated to about ninety cents on the dollar recently. So this would be r- roughly a, a thousand cents on the dollar, right? Uh, in terms of the prison population. Yeah, no, you can't do a thousand cents on the dollar. It doesn't work. <laughs> it doesn't really work as it's a, a metaphor. It's a much greater disparity than what the gender pay gap would be, but I don't think anyone's going to advocate that, you know, we try and get the prison population to, you know, be about 50 50. 
because everyone knows why more men are in prison. You know, there's no conspiracy here. It's because they're more prone to committing crimes. They're more violent. Um, you know, they're, they're less compassionate. Well, what about all the women who have the advantage of getting off speeding tickets if they're attractive? <laughs> there's also that. So I, th- I think that's the, uh, you know, the same reason that men are in prison so much more is the same reason they make more money. Because, you know, they have the t- testosterone in them and they, they do dangerous shit. They take risks. They form companies. They don't take the safe way out, you know. Um, this is what James Damore was talking about, by the way, in his, his little treatise at, at Google. Was that women, men are more equipped for Silicon Valley life because it's hyper aggressive, super competitive, super long, unyielding hours and commitment, time commitment, no life outside of no life outside of work, et cetera, et cetera. And saying how men are more biologically, innately equipped for that than women are. Yeah, and so I, I emailed a bunch of professors of uh, criminal justice at you know Harvard, Yale, uh, USC, et cetera, which. I, I, love, I love when you do the emails to the Ivy League, by the way. You think they're like in their little club, like in their bow ties going, you get the Ralston email? <laughs> yeah, I got it too. Yes, yeah, yes, they are. Yes. Uh, what are you going mean, to write back? It's a resource that people should use. If you want to know about a certain subject, like, say, astronomy, just Google, you know, Harvard professor of astronomy. That dude will fucking write back to you and answer whatever question you have. Uh, and uh, so... I found it interesting that none of these people who are, you know, the most accomplished people in the field of criminal justice, they never even considered this. Like, they never even thought about why. <laughs> why more men are in prison? Because, you know, maybe they don't need to because it's obvious. Um, so a lot of them wrote back, like, well, the reason is obvious. Men are more predisposed to committing crimes. So then I bounced that back with, well, aren't, aren't they also predisposed to, you know, working harder? And that, no one wanted to go there. Oh, not on record, no. Not on record, no. no. But, you know, we're all on the same page. So, yeah, I just thought it was interesting. So your point is women should get paid less and men should be in prison more often? My point is if you're going to advocate for equal pay, I would also like to see you advocating to put more women in prison. <laughs> <laughs> just for, for any crime? Do they have to commit a crime or just, like, round them up, put them in prison? Like the ones who have been mean to you or try to hit you? Well, That'd be a lot I, of I suppose it would have to be some sort of... Uh, Criminalized? Arbitrary. I mean, you can't just give women more money. Like, well, they do give women shorter prison sentences in general, and they do get away with more lesser crimes. So just generally because they don't want to house women. And first of all, they have less prison facilities for women. And they generally don't want to put women in prison for long term because oftentimes they're mothers or they're caretaking for children. Right. So a, there are social reasons why they don't want to have women other than violent, really violent women locked up for long term on crimes. Um, even that case, that uh, Real Housewives of New Jersey case where the couple got busted for fraud, they gave the woman one year of prison sentence and the guy got three and a half years. Well, that's not fair. No, it's not at all. That's sexist. Don't you think that's sexist? I do. And uh, inherently it's sexist in that was that he, he had a bigger role in it because he was the guy, uh, but also that she would not be taken away from the kids as long. So that he, would be, he, he was less needed in the household than she was. So it, there, it, there is a lot of sexism, I think, in the incarceration. And the gender pay gap. So I think what you're saying is that men and women are different. Yeah. You know, I actually read a stat because I listened to that guy, the tech guy. What's his name again? Daymore. Dave. Daymore. Oh. James Daymore. James Daymore. Yeah. Uh, you're like a disciple of his now. <laughs> yeah. I listened to him on Joe Rogan's uh, podcast, and he seemed pretty reasonable. Um, but I think he claimed that women initiate divorce like 70 or more percent of the time. I don't know where he got that number or that study. But they also get... Uh, you know, at this point, they make usually about as much money as men, uh, oftentimes more in like a dual income 
situation. And, uh, you know, then they, they get 90, over 90% of the alimony. So it's like if you're a woman, you could sort of advocate for a divorce and then get paid. I kind of don't like the fact that Daymore is going beyond the Google shit. <laughs> Only because I feel like that's going to, like, it's going to, like... I think he made. I think Daymore's point at Google was so impressive. I think it was really worth talking about. If he starts just talking about general divorce shit, then I feel like he's going to be labeled as misogynist. And it's just going to be seen as like some sexist di- right wing sexist diatribe. Then they're going to lose his Google point, I don't which think I thought he was cares, very. Really. No, he's not. He's totally Aspie. He doesn't give a shit. He just wants attention <laughs> at this point. It's kind of sad. If he just would have stayed within Google and been like the guy inside Google, it would have been great. Right. Just writing shit like even anonymously about Google shit, because apparently now they got a hit. Squ- Google has a hit squad. Looking for other Daymores to make sure they're not out there in, in their midst to cut them off before it happens again, which is super fucking frightening. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he went pretty deep into the politics of Google and, you know, it, it actually translates into the real world of what they censor and don't censor on the Google platform. Um, but he's essentially saying that they, they want to act like they're welcoming ideas, but, you know, they can't dissent from this very specific dogma that they have. You're the James Daymore of gender pay gap. <laughs> you know, Google's going to fire you even though you don't work for him. I think, I think it's, I, I, I liked your article on MattRalston.net. That was fantastic. Nice. And I think you're right. There was a lot. The, when they break, every time they break the gender pay gap down with like a rationale behind it, it totally makes sense why, why it exists, statistically exists, for the same exact reason why the statistical disparity exists in men versus women in incarceration. Yeah, yeah, men are dangerous, and men are fucking only a, a lunatic, you know, decides to form his own company and and work ninety hours a week for no money for five years, and uh, you know, as opposed to being a teacher. Yeah, that reminds me of my favorite PSA ever. It was the uh, Hispanic American gang member who was uh, like a, dressed like a cholo, and he said, "This was about ten years ago," and he said, "I used to cut people in the gang." He had like his knife, and then he translated into it. Now he's a doctor. Now I cut people open for a living. Oh, that would never happen. <laughs> That's impossible. Dreamers, Matt. It's all about the. It's all about the dreamers. Watch the show illegal. Uh, Matt, can you name your favorite American Indian actress? American Indian. I don't mean. I'm talking about East Indian actresses. Oh, East Indian. Yes. Well, actually, they're just technically called Indian. We used to call them East Indian to separate them from the Native Americans we called Indian. Yeah. But since you're from Alaska and a, a member, unofficial member of the Inuit tribe, I know you use the term Native American. Uh, well, it's weird that you, Native American is a weird term because it wasn't called America before. No. So it <laughs> kind of named it for him. And then, uh, you know, claim there. Uh, let's see. I, I know uh, uh, Huma Abedin. Ab- 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 yes. She's not, I, not Indian. I know the... And she's also not an actress. Top Chef host. Oh, she is Indian. Yes. Uh, Padma. Padma, Padma Lakshmi. Yeah. She's not an actress, but she is Indian. And she uh, had a baby by, by the Dell brother, the billionaire Dell brother. And she was uh, married to Deepak Chopra, wasn't she? Uh, she dated him, I believe. And she also dated or was married to Salman Rushdie. Oh, I was thinking of Simon Rushdie. No, uh, she might have, I, I think Chopra gets around. And the name is Chopra, by the way, so you're very close. The other host who they replaced, her big thing was that she fucked Billy Joel. He was like 50. Oh, uh, Rachel uh, Lee. Uh, Lee, Kate, Katie Lee or whatever her name is. She's an absolute bore. Anyway. Yeah. yeah, but she is pretty hot, and she's like 35 years younger than Billy Joel. It was a good score for him for a little while. Mm-hmm. I mean, he had, what's her name? Christy Brinkley in her prime. That was pretty amazing if you think about it. It is pretty amazing because he looks kind of like a troll, 
and uh, he looks kind of like Ruth Bader Ginsburg. <laughs> really, he doesn't make the kind of music that you think like turns on chicks. No, but in the seventies and eighties, he was he was the number one artist. He was a hot rock quote air quotes rock artist. He was never did really rock, but he sang about rock. So he was always a piano player, minstrel kind of play guy. Yeah, he was a night. He was you know he was a nightclub uh, you know piano player. Yeah, yeah. He actually that that piano man song was kind of based on his actual thing. He would just go even when he was you know on the charts. He would just play for free in these bars. He was a Jewish kid piano player. I mean, basically. granted, the his music is for the most part really bad. Yeah. Uh, it's catchy. Well, Davy, who's still in the Navy, it's like, oh, your friend just <laughs> happens to be named Davy. I'm not sure that's true. And then if you he look at, lot, let's put it this way, he wrote a lot of hits. They were so and he wrote his own. And he wrote his own. He wrote his music. He has a song called "We Didn't Start the Fire" that, as far as I can tell, is like a survey history of the world. Yes. Except it's half about baseball. Yeah, but he. So he's like, I, I would grant you, he's not a, one of my top musical talents. Although he is talented musically. But he was a hit maker. He knew how to write hits. He knew how to make hits for this time. So that's how he got Christy Brinkley, because he was the top selling artist of whatever year, and he got Christy Brinkley. And the best part of it, uh, Billy Joel and Christy Brinkley, they made one kid. They had one baby. And then she grew up to look like Billy Joel. <laughs> Billy Joel. Oh, and wow. then she had another kid with some other guy who looked, grew up to look like her, who's now a model, like a hot blonde model. <laughs> so when the two sisters, like half-sisters, get together, yeah. there's the one who looks like Christy Brinkley and the one who looks like Billy Joel. <laughs> And I think the one who looks like Billy Joel tried to kill herself one time. Oh, no. <laughs> yes. Not, I think it was after that comparison, after seeing the family photos. He <laughs> also, I mean, in terms of respecting, like we were saying, like just respecting people's honesty, I'm pretty sure he just said, I'm not ever writing a new song, but I'm going to keep playing these old songs. Yeah, but how much do you like going to a concert from a band from like the 80s and they write new songs and they suck? They're gonna try, we're going to try out shit from our new album. I remember when I went to an STP, uh, Stone Temple Pilots. Before the guy died, and he's like, "We're gonna try some stuff for our new album." I'm like, no, no, don't, yeah. just don't. It's like you're not. There's very few artists that actually can continuously make. Twenty years later, are still making good music, and the, the dude on fucking heroin is not one of them. It's just <laughs> that's just not it. And they, they, then everyone sits there like, "Oh, the new stuff. This is great. When are you gonna do the stuff from? Pl- when are you gonna do plush? You know, like when's that coming up?" Yeah. Um, so Priyanka, Priyanka, Priyanka Chopra was the answer. She's on Quantico. She's a hot Indian chick. Uh, but she's not upset about herself this week, Matt. She's upset about Meghan Markle. Uh, just like your dream to grow up and marry a prince of England. <laughs> she is uh, going to set to engage, uh, I think engage formally or unofficially, to the redheaded uh, British uh, prince, Harry, the one we like. He's the... He's the uh, drunk one, right? The drunk party guy who did lines off a, off a whore in, in Vegas. Right, right. Yes. And, and even did it even refused to kill the person who did, did a camera phone video of it. <laughs> so that was pretty cool of him. Uh, so she's a TV actress. She's been on some of the... I, I don't know. I just, I, when, I don't, when I don't know what TV show people are on, I just say CSI. Because <laughs> there's a good... There's at least 50% chance I'm right. If like a reasonably attractive woman in her 30s is on a TV show and you don't know what it is, it's yeah. probably a CSI. Or a crime, some, some crime show on CBS. Basically nothing good. Her career is not like, you know. Well, I mean, you make some decent money being on those shows and the residuals and stuff. Yeah. I, went tur- I went turn it down at 33 years old or 34 years old. No, no. I mean, more power to her. But I'm saying she's not like an A-list actress. No. And the good thing about those shows, like the ones on CBS or USA Network and stuff like that, they all go like eight years long. You're on those shows for like eight years. So you basically can live off the residuals forever. 
I don't understand who's watching all these shows. I don't know anybody who watches these shows. <laughs> but now she's going to marry Prince Harry. And so Vanity Fair did a big spread of Meghan Markle. She's an American. She's half black. It's a big thing in England that she's going to marry the eighth, eighth in line or fifth in line to the, the throne. I think all the kids of the first brother go first. So Prince Harry's never going to sit on the throne. This chick will never sit on the throne. But Vanity Fair did a cover on her, Meghan Markle. And all they talked about was how she's going to be the princess of England and she's marrying the prince. Prince Harry and all shit like that. And Priyanka Chopra, her friend, uh, wrote some shit about how obsessed she was, how sexist and anti-feminist this was. To talk about Meghan Markle only in terms of who she was mar- going to marry and not in terms of her own professional and charitable and social accomplishments. Uh, so I have a question. <laughs> yes. If this attractive woman who's marrying into this billionaire family of the Windsor, people... The Windsor family. ...who don't have real jobs and, uh, in fact, are paid... You know, by taxpayers. If she can complain, if she's got it rough, if she's being treated unfairly, who isn't? I'm not. I'm enjoying this pizza. Thank you, Brian. This is great. I mean, this is. She has the most privileged life that I could even imagine, and still, that's not good enough. Well, granted, her friend is complaining on her behalf. I think what they're talking about. So, everyone, here's the thing: if you're in Hollywood and you're a woman, you have to have a sexist issue to complain about. You just have to. It's like a it's like a baseball player having a story about a baseball player saying we're going to take this one game at a time. <laughs> we're going to try and play within ourselves. You know, one one week, one win. We'll we'll worry about next week, next week. All those cliches. If you're a woman in Hollywood, you have to say something about gender pay gap or directors being grabby or how it's harder for women to get jobs. You have to have a, you have to have a feminist mantra, a little story you can repeat. You got touched once by a key grip and no one cared. There's got to be some way that you attach yourself to a feminist cause. Uh, so hers is through her friend and saying how Vanity Fair should have talked about her as a woman and a person, not as a future princess of England. Which, by the way, it's a magazine. It's, it's not entirely by guys, but it's, uh, what's his name, the, the, the gay dude. Um, these are all magazines basically run by, largely run by women for a female readership. And they're complaining, always complaining about sexism in these magazines. It's because women want to read about the woman who's going to become princess. Right. right? That's what they want to read about. They don't want to read about her, her charity, her global charity she works for, or what life is like on the trailer at CSI. That, dudes care about that shit. She wants, they want to hear about her being a princess and wearing a ball gown and, going, and meeting Kate Middleton and meeting the Queen of England, her future mother-in-law. But at what point... I mean, first of all, I think you should have some self-awareness and realize that you come off as sort of fickle. When you're when you're complaining that the princess has it rough, <laughs> yes, right. I mean, doesn't that just strike you as sort of like um, you don't understand like the issues of common people, or you don't really, as a outspoken feminist, you don't really understand what your own gender really wants to read about. <laughs> which is the same reason they have Fashion Week, and the same reason they have all this other shit. Which is like you can talk about all this progressiveness and independence and you know, feminism and all this important issues, aspects around it. But women, just as I said earlier, men have their stupid pursuits. Women want to read about royalty. They want to read about women dressing up in, in fancy ball gowns, being the queen, sipping tea with so-and-so, meeting Prince William and going to meet the Prince of Spain or shit like that. That's what they want to read fairy tale stories. That's inherently in there. We don't need uh, uh, James Damore's Google thing to tell us that women are different than men. Right. And, well, guys, by the way, guys want to read about sports athletes to a very alarmingly discreet degree. <laughs> you know, what, they're, what gloves they're wearing, how they're taping up their hands. There's all, remember the, the, when the, they had the McGregor or Mayweather thing? How they're, how they're taping their fingers, what they're thinking about while they're being taped, 
what kind of Vaseline they're putting on their eyebrows. There's a, there's a weird guy obsession for a lot of shit, too. Yeah. But that's, it's not like, is it inherently sexist that women happen to like this shit, so they're feeding them this kind of shit? There's no pa- they always blame the patriarchy, and as a member of the patriarchy, I'm kind of getting pissed about this. Right. Well, I just don't, I don't see anything sexist about it. Like, he's the prince who's... He's the most famous... 500 times more famous than she is. Yes. Why would he not get more attention when they're covering the wedding? Yeah, so if she was marrying, like, say, a janitor from, from Inglewood, the, the, the story on her in the magazine would not be about her husband. Right. It would be all about her. There's, a, there's, definitely, a double, there's definitely a double standard here. He's the most, he is the story. She's on the cover because of the story. Um, that, I remember my Louise, did you see the story about Mnuchin's wife this week? So Mnuchin, the Secretary of Treasury, Mnuchin, yeah, the, he's got the hot blonde third white trophy wife. Yeah. And she, remember we talked about this a couple weeks ago, she basically told all the people that they weren't wealthy enough to give, pay taxes and buy expensive shit like she did. Yeah, yeah. I had to bug her off. Uh, so she did her apology this past week in Washington Society magazine, <laughs> where she's on the cover in a ball gown for ball season, <laughs> saying how she's po- apologizing for being such an aristocrat. She didn't really understand how tone deaf that was. Right, right. That just kind of reminds me. And she's talking about how women, we, you know, women have to stand together. All this kind of crap. Can we just throw this. Women have to stand together. It's just a line that people, you know, who doesn't, you know, who never, almost never stands together. Women. Almost yeah, women hate each other. Women hate the fuck out of each other. <laughs> my first job, my first job I ever had when I was naive to the ways of the world, what, they had a, I had a female boss. There were like ten people in our little area. We had mostly guys. I had a female boss, and there was a female employee, and she was always ripping on the female employee, like one of my peers, junior peers. And I asked her one time when she was drunk why she was doing that, and she's like, "Look, there's only one spot for a lady in this place, and I'm moving. I'm moving on up." That's my comp- that's my competition. Wow. She was fucking this young girl over intentionally because she was threatened by her. It's cutthroat. Well, she wasn't threatened by me. First of all, I didn't work very hard. But second of all, she knew she knew she was competing in a different landscape from me. She was competing against like a younger, attractive, more you know, able woman taking her spot because mm-hmm. it was a female spot in the company. So that's what that's where that pressure came from. She was ruthless to that girl. And by the way, she flirted with every guy ever and was super kind to them. <laughs> she was just mean as fuck to the girls. That was my first lesson in women in the corporate in the corporate space, giving a helping hand up to other ladies. I wonder if Mnuchin is a wicked cool guy. Nope. Or if nope. it's just about the money. Oh, you mean with the girl? Yeah. Oh, no. I mean, she's... Well, it's her second marriage, his third marriage. She's 20 years younger than he is or so, and she's a fake actress. <laughs> I assume it's about having the blonde, hot trophy wife. You know I, what they didn't... This wasn't really talked about, I guess, because they can't prove it. But so when she wrote that thing that everyone hated about how she, you know, has all this high fashion stuff. And, yeah. Um, they went to the Federal Reserve. They scheduled a trip because he just wanted to go, like, inspect it. But uh, it, it was really just a ruse because they wanted to go to a place where they could see the eclipse. Really? Did you know that? Was that the trip they were on, you mean? Yeah. They planned, the the, jet? Oh, they to go to planned Idaho, like, a bogus trip. Oh, yeah. To, to, you know, do something regarding the Fed, but it was actually just, they got there at the exact right time to see the eclipse. I wish, I wish that bothered me, but like that was me like maybe 15 years ago being bothered by that shit. So much, so much. <laughs> if, you, if you're upset by minim, minimus corruption in the government, you're, you're, you're way too conservative shit. Like, a, like a, a junket trip on a private government jet to me is like a nothing now. 
that's like so little compared to like the bigger things. Yeah, I kind of don't really blame them. I just assume everyone's. I just assume everybody's doing that. I when I lived in DC, I met the guy who was Ted Kennedy's dri- limo driver, and all the shit he got for Ted Kennedy, including ladies, was just like. <laughs> Free food, drugs, booze, whatever, like gratis from gifts from everybody else, what, and the lady and the ladies too. Which just I just assume that's how the way everyone in Washington is. So no, there's nothing, nothing that shocks me. I, I I have never met Mnuchin, but I've read enough about him that he's not he's not getting ladies on his. It's not, it's not his way. He also looks kind of weird. He's kind of a weird looking dude. He looks like he's an accountant in a basement somewhere. Yeah, he looks like a nerd. Uh, his IMDb page is very impressive. Oh, he's produced some great movies, by the way. And I don't know if you know if she'll ever act again. She obviously doesn't need to at this point, but she is an actress. Uh, yeah, she has a page too with very. Like, she was like in a B list movie, like a Scream Queen movie. A couple other things. Ted, Ted Cruz probably watching her porn tonight. <laughs> I'm not sure what it is. Uh, anyhow, that's my that's my take on women helping women. Women help each other more often. I went in this week on a Pennies at a Bunch about Sergio Dip. You did not know who Sergio Dip was before the show started. <laughs> Sergio. By the way, if someone told you Sergio Dip was a Mexican name, you would not believe it. D-I-P-P. It doesn't sound very uh, Hispanic. No, I kind of, for my stereotypes to exist, I kind of ask that everyone have a ethnically heritage correct last name that's easy to identify. So <laughs> that just makes it, otherwise I might mis- misuse my stereotypes <laughs> accidentally. <laughs> So uh, I guess you didn't watch the, the char- new Los Angeles Chargers. I'm, I'm going to take a small aside to talk about the new Chargers commercials. Have you seen them? No. Their whole thing is a pitch to L.A. They want to be, you know, it's their first year in L.A. after moving to San Diego. So their whole pitch to L.A. is, we understand you don't love us. We're going to earn your respect. It's okay that you don't like us being here, or that you don't have a feeling for us. We, we are going to earn every, everything you give us. And they have the huh. players and some other guys, like equipment manager for the team saying this shit like, you know, we're going to earn your respect. We don't want your respect. We're going to earn your respect with every play on the field, every yard we go, and all this stuff like that. And it seems very defeatist to admit that people in LA don't give a shit about them to start with. Yeah, and and <laughs> and that also implies that they're going to be good, I guess. But well, there's also that there's they're also not. That. So then, does that mean no one should go to the games? No, and also in a complete like that seems like something if you move to like an Ohio town would work, like the gritty blue collar. We're going to like bleed for you kind of thing. But in L.A., it's a front-running town. People only give a shit about winners. So if their commercial said, like, look, we know you're a bandwagon town, so we're going to try and get as many wins against bad teams as possible so you come out and see us, Yeah, that would at least be a little more honest. <laughs> like, like what, like what teams are not trying to get yards on the field for their fans? Like, that's like, we're going to try and get an extra couple yards just for you fans. Like, we weren't going to run. I was going to run two yards instead of four yards, but I'm getting that four yards for you fans. It's yeah, stupid. it's pretty disingenuous. I mean, I'm sure... The, the players don't really care. No, they can uh, give a shit. With it. Well, they're probably happy they're in L.A. I'm sure they're happier in L.A. than San Diego. That's probably a thing. It's interesting because I was looking at tickets and... Uh, you, went to the, you went to the Rams game. I went to the Rams game. I was chilling with uh, Danny Trejo and uh, LL Cool J. Uh, it was fun. After you had brunch together? Um, yeah. Uh, <laughs> see, I have this press pass. I don't know if you guys know this, but you can go and you can do anything you want. Uh, open bar. No, no one else. Did was, you get what, you took the press pass of the game? Yeah, I like that. I like yeah. to know in a day and age of uh, post nine eleven era, you can still go anywhere you want with a fake <laughs> press with a fake press pass. Yeah, it's all in it's all in the look. That's like the guy who stole the uh, the Tom Brady shit, right after the Super Bowl. 
Uh, yeah, probably. I mean, they don't know. What Remember that doing. was that guy who was like a Mexican reporter who went into the locker room and took the helmet and the jer- or the jersey, the missing jersey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's so many people hanging out down there. I mean, if I, you know, years ago I probably would have maybe gone for a streaking thing, but then, you know, you get tackled and fucking hauled out of there. Then, you know, I wouldn't be able to go back. Um, what were we talking about? Uh, oh, the LA Football Chargers. Yeah, the tickets are expensive because, you know, they're playing in this small soccer stadium. So you would think because the team sucks and it's not even a football stadium that the tickets would be kind of cheap. But they're actually, like, the cheapest tickets, like 150 bucks. Really? Yeah. They're more expensive. I know about the 49er ticket price. It's ridiculous. And nobody goes anymore because people don't want – people pack, by the way, the Coliseum for the USC-Stanford game. College fans will get drunk and go to anything. And all the alumni live in the area, they'll pay for anything like that. But football, NFL fans on the, on the coastal teams and the and California teams, if the team's not winning, they're not going. They're simply not going on a Sunday to watch the game. You'd be so much better off watching it on TV. The view is better. I mean, the beers aren't $16. It's so goddamn hot. Yeah. Or if you're in another place, it's rainy. Or maybe even if you're in a dome, it's, it's a fucking waste of money. And it's, by the way, you have zero affiliation with the team. Right. So, like, maybe in 50 years, there'll be a stronger following for them. Like, the Dodgers have a very strong following, especially in the Latino community, that goes back, like, 60 years. Yeah. There's, like, you got, if you're, like, Latino in L.A., you have to go to the Dodger game. It's just, like, part of, like, your heritage. You wear the caps, you wear the jerseys, you kill people wearing the jerseys, you kill people <laughs> wearing the wrong jerseys. But there's nothing like that. And the Lakers are like that as well in L.A. But there's nothing like that for football, and it does not going to exist for any time. So you're going to see a lot of empty seats. Yeah, um, it's, it's not a pleasant experience. But during the Monday Night Football coverage at ESPN, which, by the way, has been accused of being politically correct and virtue signaling and firing Republicans in their midst and, and doing all sorts of stupid-ass shit, including taking uh, Robert Lee, the Asian reporter, off the football game <laughs> from UVA, <laughs> UVA last week, uh, decided they're going to have a female, a female announcer, which I think we're getting kind of used to on the game, mm-hmm. a female uh, 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 play-by-play announcer, and then a sideline reporter... Uh, for diversity, which is a young Mexican-American man. He was born in Mexico, named Sergio Dip, D-I-P-P. And it seemed like, I don't know where they found this guy. They obviously fired a lot of guys, but they clearly, here's why this was a bad story. They clearly blatantly and cynically just found one Mexican guy who works for ESPN or hired him. Young, attractive, Mexican-American guy. You think you'd get fired if you nicknamed him Bean Dip? Yeah. <laughs> or Queso Dip? <laughs> yes, you would. Uh, and they put him on the sideline for a 30-second sideline report that had nothing to do with football, was going to talk about diversity. was going to talk about diversity. So they fi- their first ever Mexican sideline reporter. Which isn't really what si- – sideline reporting isn't you sort of editorializing no. on politics. Isn't it supposed to be you talking about, like, what's going on in the game? Or injury updates or I talk to the coach or shit like that. As yeah, far as I'm concerned, everything that the announcer ever talks about during football games should be about football. I don't even like on baseball games where they point out like a fan that caught the foul ball and they're always with his kids. They do that slice of life shit so in case 1% of women who are watching are watching have something to look at. Right. But, they, you know, I want injury reports. I want coach stuff like that, you know. So they go to this guy blatantly for this diversity 30-second spot on the sideline and he clearly is not prepared for the light to go on when it goes on. It seemed like he kind of panicked and he rushed through a bunch of stuff that didn't necessarily tie in together. No, they had the two minority coaches coaching on Denver and, and the Chargers, and so that, I think, was what he was supposed to talk about. But instead he talked about the Denver coach and how it was diversity because he played both offense and defense in college in the pros. Beth, coach, it's a pleasure to be with you guys here on the field from up close, just watching Coach Vance Joseph from here. You watch him now on the screen. This diversity in his background is helping him a lot tonight. 
quarterback at Colorado, defensive back in the NFL, and here he is having the time of his life. Like very odd little tangent. <laughs> yes, which by the way is how I want diversity to be qualified again, as like playing both offense and defensive <laughs> football. <laughs> I, that was like the old school definition of diversity. Hey, he's a diverse player. He can do offense and defense. <laughs> and this kid, Sergio Dip, is just completely flustered. And if had he been, by the way, had he been talking about actual sports and football, he could have probably covered a lot easier. He could have covered better because he could have been able to do some stupid football cliches. Yeah. But when you're talking about diversity, then he started talking, ba- rambling. I don't know if he can ramble in 30 seconds. He stuttered. He made this thing about the Denver coach. It was really awkward. Then they cut away. Uh, thanks, Sergio. They cut away from him, this obvious plant for this diversity message from ESPN and then later on the guy's in his hotel room looks like he's about to kill himself he's on Twitter <laughs> and does this video where he kind of doubles down on like the importance of being from he's from uh, California he calls it from California but he means Baja California mm-hmm. from Calexico and how he's the first Mexican guy on the sideline how this is important to him and diversity is the black co- he mentions all the shit he probably should have mentioned in the sideline report that he didn't mention and really was like completely self-serious and unaware of the fact that the rest of the country was kind of laughing at him Here's my point. <laughs> Isn't this a point when, like, ESPN is... We've already talked about this before. Like, if you're going to do... If you're going to be inclusive and go for diversity, you have to figure out a way to do this a little more seamlessly. <laughs> like, not make... Not do the obvious late-game hire of a poor guy who's not prepared for a spot to be the first Mexican-American reporter. Why? You set this guy up for failure with a stupid diversity message when he could have come in just been Latino and just done a football report. And it would have been semi-historical yeah. in, in and of itself, like the first sideline report from a, a Mexican-American. Maybe he finds like the one Latino player who's played out in the football field and talks about it or something. But no, just a banal, cynical message about diversity from, Dis- from Disney corporate. Yeah, why does it have to be so... Um, it's almost kind of racist. Like I don't think anyone has a problem with there being a Mexican uh, sideline reporter. But Well, Disney- I don't know if I'd say that, but yes. You and I don't. I don't. Anyway. <laughs> yes. some, there's probably some people in the country who don't. But but why does he have to talk about like being Mexican? And sh- like he's just a plant. Like he's just he's, a token. He's a, they're essentially saying we hired a token Mexican guy. Yeah, and not only that, not only was he Latino, but he was born. In, so he's born in Mexico. He's a Mexican immigrant. So talk about you know. So he could talk about that. St- I don't know how that relates to football whatsoever. Which is seems to have almost no. I can't think of any Mexican player in football or Central American player in football. So it really isn't part of the NFL experience as it would be like another sport, perhaps. And then, you know, I remember when they first brought the female sideline reporters on. Everyone bitched about that, female reporters to sports. Mm-hmm. But the first thing they did was made sure they just talked sports, like just hardcore sports. Yeah. Like they didn't go there and talk about like, uh, I talked to this guy, this player, and his wife is really going to wear something special for the game tonight. They intentionally didn't do like a st- cliche, stereotypical female, what females might think about football. Right. Oh, I talked to the Jets about their new color jersey. Everyone loves the uh, new green. It's, <laughs> apparently it's emerald green this year, and it goes well with their shoot. I mean, they intentionally just had her talk about concussions and fucking blood and the rushing game and the pass defense. Yeah. Just so people go like, okay, it's a woman talking sports. We're going to be okay with this. And it's a job that almost anyone can do. Yes. So why not have it be a hot chick? You know, it's the same philosophy of, I don't know, if, if I go to a restaurant, why, I'd, I'd rather have a waitress with giant tits than some guy. I mean, yeah, it so doesn't really matter. I but. thought about this one time when you told me you were a waiter. How disappointed I would be if I was paid money and you were my waiter. Oh, man. I was like, is there, is there a woman back there? Maybe like someone else? Like, no offense, but I don't want you as my surfer this <laughs> evening. Uh, no, the women, uh, by the way, now, all, as far as I can tell, almost all sideline reporters are now women. It's progressed to that fact that they have found a way to get hot women into the sports. 
on the sideline, and they're doing some some reporting in the booth as well. But the thing that really pissed me off was this poor guy. I mean, as un, as completely self unaware as he was about how he's being used as a, as a token symbol, as a symbol by Disney corporate to express her diversity message on nine eleven at their first Monday Night Football game. He wasn't prepared for this job, and they they made a laughing. They basically made a laughing stock out of this guy. Uh, I mean, I assume he was better during the test run during the test runs, but he was very young. He's obviously inexperienced because he's never done pro football before, and it, you know it was it was bad. I mean, he looks like a fool. He looks like a fool now, and that's yeah. I blame them for that for doing that affirmative action intentional affirmative action hire for a Mexican immigrant. There probably was yeah. like even a more polished. Latino guy, and they go like, "Was he born in the U.S.?" Yes. Okay. No, we want someone born from who can speak to the Mexican immigration experience. Well, he's probably like, you know, I don't, I don't want to speculate too much, but Mexican dudes that live in Mexico, they, I don't think they care about the NFL at all. I, I don't, I'm not even sure if it's like on TV there. Um, and uh, well, they do, no, they do play the, the game once you're down in Mexico City. Oh, right. <laughs> Which I don't think anyone goes to. But there's <laughs> only like. Uh, Two, two or three teams, maybe a few more that have like uh, Latino fan bases of, of any sort, which would be uh, Oakland and uh, the LA teams, and I guess San Diego. Maybe Cowboys a little bit. Yeah, Cowboys actually for sure. But for the most part, you know, it's it's mostly white people watching this this stuff. I think there needs. I think there needs to be a way for people that want, like Disney wants to do all their corporate virtue. All the media companies want to do their virtue signaling. It's got to be a way they can do this. And we're gonna. Everyone else. Everyone's gonna see through it. But it's got a way they can do this without humiliating the shit out of people, like just being so so cynically blatant about what you're trying to do that you actually take a poor Mexican American kid and make him look like a fool on TV to try and prove your point about diversity. Yeah, and also just don't use the sideline reporting for like. It was weird because it wasn't. It wasn't sideline reporting. It was like a speech. It was a speech about Vance. That's the Vance Joseph, like playing offense and defense and being diversity and thinking about that on this day and a lot of fumbling and stuff. He clearly wasn't. There was, there'd be no. There'd be. Let's put it this way: if he was Caucasian, he never would have got that gig with his experience level. No way. No. There's no way in hell he got hired because he fit the demographic they were looking for, and they shoved him in there. And if he was white, like, and obviously, I don't think he just decided to go rogue and do this. Like, obviously, someone instructed him what to talk about. Yeah. I feel like if he was a white dude and he said something like that, they'd be like, what the fuck was all that shit about 9-11? <laughs> yes. What are you talking about? Yes. You know, like, why this double standard this Mexican dude has? Why can't he just talk about football? Yeah. So I want the salary report where they tell you what the coach says, which means nothing. <laughs> Coach says, really, the first half wasn't great. Second half, they're going to make some adjustments, and really, they're going to try and get a better running game, score some more points. Well, if we want to be honest, we could do away with the entire sideline reporting thing. It's completely superfluous. They have to go to the sideline for the injury updates, Matt, because they can't give those from the booth. (laughs) (laughs) They're unable to deliver sideline injury reports in the booth. I spoke to so-and-so in the locker room because I'm on the field. I'm embedded. I'm embedded here in the field, so I got the inside story from the press information officer, <laughs> who, who just tweeted out twenty minutes. <laughs> tweeted out twenty minutes ago. Yeah, I got the inside scoop. Uh, it's horrible. I felt. I really, honestly, I've watched the thing a few times now, and I feel as, as much as the guy should be laughing at himself and could have taken this as a great moment to just say like I fucked up and this is like ridiculous and I'm you know yeah. I'm laughing at myself. He totally didn't do that. He should have done that. But he got put in such a bad fucking spot, like Disney going like, hey, you're the Mexican dude who's going to talk about immigration and diversity in the U.S. on the sideline of, of a game. <laughs> He's like, uh, okay. And they're like, this is the only chance you have at a job. He's like, all right, I'll take it. <laughs> and go. Yeah. And he's like, well, that, 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 that was really bad. Uh, all right. 
Brian, somebody wants to pimp and promote on the show? Let's have at it. They closed bar. They closed bar one. Do you know that, Matt? I heard. Yeah. I heard they blame you and your show. Your singing. I heard your singing was the large, the reason they mentioned by closing the bar down. <laughs> what else? Baseball, hockey. What else you got? Okay. Where else can people find you? The Starbucks? Having coffee? <laughs> Look for Bride. You should really go to West Hollywood in your tank tops. I think you would do extremely well. Just hang out in front of the Supercuts. You'd be fantastic. Matt, something you wish to promote? Yourself, self, shameless self-promotion? Uh, not a lot right now. Uh, MattRalston.net and uh, Twitter at Matthew Ralston. You can find me on Facebook. I don't know. You're one of the few straight men I know on Twitter who actively uses Twitter. I hate it. It really is the most horrible pit of social despair ever invented it's like the worst Sucks. party you ever went to in your life and you're just there every day i get nothing out of it <laughs> no it sounds good by the way i want to meet you there i want to thank rocco's and studio city you guys were fantastic once again i actually ate the pizza today the white pizza thank you brian for not putting vegetables on it oh. <laughs> i don't want vegetables in my junk food this is lex last minute on earth talk to you next week